This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. Are you excited to be at church? Me too. Me too. Um, I have a couple of disclaimers, and then I'm going to start something new in our church. Uh, this is about small groups. It's not about the chiefs, okay? <laughs> just just so you know, all right? I don't actually have a horse in this race, although I might watch the race a little later. So uh, welcome to church, especially those of you who are first-timers. Um, we don't have visitors here. We have guests. You are our guests. We want you to feel at home. We're not going to do anything in this service where you think, oh, man, nobody told me when to stand up, when to sit down, what to say, what not to say. We won't do any of that. I'm going to teach in a couple of minutes. And everything that I teach, you will be able to understand, even if you've never been to church before, But also, if you've been to church for 30 straight years, there will be things in what I'm going to teach that will challenge and inspire you. And um, so I just want to welcome you along for that journey. I want to lead us in a pastoral prayer, and this will be sort of a new feature in our services moving forward. So if you would, would you please join me in prayer? God, our hearts are so torn when we turn on our TVs and we see what's happened in Turkey and Syria and the thousands and thousands of people who have perished. Today, we lift up their families as they try to put together the pieces of their lives And many of them without a home and without a shelter and no place to go. And we lift up those rescue workers who are working countless hours with tiny little bits of sleep in dangerous circumstances. Father, we're a half a world away, but our hearts are right with them. Would you be near to them? Would you be near to every single brokenhearted person? who's just trying to make it through today. And God, we pray for another church in our town. Today we pray for Eastside Baptist Church. God, I, I think back in our history, and I'm so grateful that they opened the doors of their church building back when we didn't have a campus. And they said, come and practice in our church building. And uh, because of their generosity, we were able to do things as a church that would have been difficult to do without their generosity. So would you be with them this morning? Would you bless them and bless their outreach in our town? God, would you uh, turn our attention to things that would help us grow our faith and help us experience life? at the Jesus level, which he himself said is life to its fullest. And I pray it in his name. Amen. So, this shirt is about community groups, all right? 
And uh, did you notice our band was all in plaid today? Didn't they look like a throwback retro band to the 70s and 80s? That was kind of awesome. Anyhow, uh, they invited me to wear plaid, but I chose to wear this because I actually want to partner with our community group ministry. And um, for those of you who are new to our church and haven't been here very long, it's important that you understand that community groups are not just an option that we offer. There's no obligation, so in that sense, it's an option. But if you want to turn this church into something more than a place that you go on Sunday morning, where you're going to church and you want to actually feel like you're part of the church, probably the easiest and best way to do that is to join a community group. And a community group is a group of 8 to 12, maybe 14 people at the most that meets together regularly, usually weekly, sometimes every other week. And um, they do that for the purpose of studying some area that will help all the members grow their faith and for building, building personal relationships together. It is the easiest and best way for you to actually feel connected to the church. So it is one of our four key strategies. It's that important. We literally build the church around our community groups. So if you're not part of a community group, there'll be people out at a kiosk in the lobby. They can help you sign up. There's a brochure um, on the seats where you are. And we're going to do one other thing. We are going to invite up to the stage a handful of people who are going to talk to you about their community group. So Bert and Dan and Gordon and Kay and Katia and uh, I think maybe that's everybody. Why don't you guys come on up here? And I just, yes, thank you. These are heroes in our church, and they work hard. So, Gordon, I'm going to start with you. God bless you for 30 seconds. Probably. <laughs> and I already used up 15, right? I've probably been in community groups for 35, 40 years, and it's always been an integral part of my life. I lead two right now. One is Bible study hour, which you'll see the sign in the lobby. Meets in the Sonoma room every Sunday, 8.30 a.m., how many of you went to Bible study hour this morning? Yeah, Look at the, awesome. you ask, these, ask these folks whether or not they got any value out of it. I'm having a great time leading that group. And we're, you know, giving the context and uh, the um, background and life application of the Holy Scriptures, which has always been really high on Jesus and the apostles list. So y'all come join us 830 every Sunday. There's a chair for you. Uh, the second one is men's group. Um, you know, men really have some specific needs. It's not that easy to be a man in this world, and to become a, a Christian godly man is another step above that. Um, so I have a men's meeting on Thursday nights, um, a little short story. I was in China about two years ago and meeting with a lot of my friends from our China office, and we all went to lunch. And these guys were having a, a, a really 
huge conversation, and, and it's like, well, I don't know Chinese, so I'm like, hey, what do you, you know, they were really looked worried about something. I said, what are you guys talking about? They go, well, China has instituted a new holiday called Valentine's Day, and we're not sure, <laughs> we're not sure what's expected of us, and <laughs> we're terrified. <laughs> so... All kidding aside, guys, you, there is a seat for you in our Thursday night men's group. <laughs> Ladies, if, you're, uh, if your guy doesn't have any Christian friends he's hanging out with, send him our way. Awesome. Thank you, Gordon. My name is Daniel, and I have the pleasure of leading a couple of groups, too. Um, on Tuesday night, my wife and I are leading a group, and we're focused on the book of Luke right now. We spend about an hour in fellowship, which is just a rich time, very intentional to be together, to grow in our relationships. That's a high priority. And then we spend about an hour in the Word of God. We're currently going through Luke right now and enjoying that and seeing God really show up for us there. So uh, we still have room. We've got quite a few people coming out and really rich relationships being formed there. Uh, just a treasure uh, that we look forward to during our week together. Um, Don't forget dinner, Dad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my wife is doing a great job on dinner. Now you're speaking man's language right there. <laughs> real food, real food. Yeah, and so uh, the other group, uh, Bert and I are, are leading together, and uh, we're going to be meeting every other week, and that's coming up in a couple of weeks. We'd like to invite men to come out to that. Um, I just want to read a, a a quick passage that was very challenging to me, the kind of content that we want to get into as men. It comes from Ephesians. It says, Yeah, walk in a way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here's the, here's the rub. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Thank you, Bert. Bert. Oh, yeah, 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 Daniel. Uh, yeah, guys, if you, uh, we're really looking forward to some new guys to come to the group, and all the other groups look so good, I think they'll jump out of ours and go into one of yours. <laughs> But really, uh, I brought along a, a list of rules and regulations for every for all these guys. Okay, so I just I just want to take about a half hour to read them all to you. Okay, thank you very much. Come out on Wednesday nights and join us. Good morning. I'm Kay Narragon. And I am facilitating a group on Wednesday mornings at 10 o'clock. It's for women. Um, I wanted to do a nature hiking Bible study. Uh, the first session that we did, we did on Taylor Mountain. And then we found that we had a few people that wanted to join um, that weren't able to do that steep of a hike. So we moved it on the next session to Crane Creek. Um, so if anyone um, of any ability, so if you love the, the hikes, you can do a hike there. But if you just want to walk a straight path, um, it's a very easy place, and you could just walk five minutes from the parking lot to where we meet um, and join us. Uh, we will be using an interactive study guide, such as this, a tree planted. Um, 
where you'll be heading outside and actively interacting with God's living word. We will be spending meaningful time with God in the wild spaces he created in order to build our relationship with him. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John 7, 38. Join us. Thank you, thank you. You know what? I think you got your teaching. We could just go home, right? That was awesome. Uh, next week, we're going to have a few more. So uh, it's just great to learn how God is moving in people's hearts and lives. And I don't actually need this. I'm going to shut it off. Thank you, Channing. Okay. All these groups are meeting in person, yes. Oh, yeah, we do have one that meets online. But when you go sign up, it's real clear. All the rest of them are meeting in person. Thank you for asking. Okay, so we took a portion of my teaching time, which means you, my friends, are going to have to listen in a hurry. Okay, so we're going to fly through some stuff, but it's really, really important stuff, okay? One of the questions I get asked over and over and over again, you'll see it up here on the screen, and that is, what about sharing our faith? And what people are actually asking is, how can we share our faith with others in a way that isn't offensive to them? Think about this. When people meet Jesus, and Jesus begins to change their heart and their life, and they get lit up, what they want to do is share it. It's so natural. The problem is, when they get their Bible and beat people over the head with it, it doesn't usually go well. And they want to know, how can I share my faith in a way that actually has a better ending than that? And I just want to remind all of us that last week, this week, and next week are actually volunteer training sessions. As we are going out and volunteering in our community through Impact, and if you're new, I apologize, you don't know what Impact is, you can go back and, and there are three teachings that actually lay out impact. But in short, we have formed partnerships with nonprofits in our community that we really believe in what they're doing. And we've created volunteer on-ramps for all of us in this church to sign up and volunteer in these nonprofits. And I'm telling you, every week, more and more people are signing up it's so encouraging. It's a great thing. But the concern is that if we go out and volunteer, but we don't volunteer well, that we will actually hurt people in the process, and we might even actually hurt the cause of Jesus in the process. So today, we're going to dig into this question of 
How can we share our faith in a natural way? And I'll dig into that a little bit deeper. But before I dig into that, I think it's very important that you and I get our motivations correct. Okay? And I don't want you to miss this. Take a look on the screen. It's important to remember that our goal through impact isn't to get others to become followers of Jesus. Stop right there. That you never thought you'd hear that at a church, right? But that isn't actually our goal. Look what the goal is. Our goal is to lovingly serve others from the heart. You have to let that settle in for a minute. Because it brings up an important question and here's the question. But isn't the mission of our church helping people discover and experience life in Jesus? So why would we go out and serve others if our goal isn't to get them to become followers of Jesus? Well, the mission of our church is to help people discover and experience life in Jesus. But it's not the primary and definitely not the hidden reason for why we serve people. Can we just let that sink in? If you went to see a doctor, let's say you're going to see a private physician. Okay? And you know that the goal of the doctor is to build a medical practice that enables him and his family to eat. So the doctor is trying to build a practice. But you go in and you say, doctor, I need you to look at something. If you ever got a hint that the doctor did not care about treating your injury, he was only building a practice, would you go back? No? Because you have to know that the motivation of the doctor is to actually care for you and to treat your injury. And if he or she does that well enough, their practice will build. I want us to understand that. The goal of serving people is not to get them to become followers of Jesus, but if we do it well enough, then amazing things will happen. Do you remember last week I said everyone has a sniffer? Okay. And here's the truth. When I serve someone, all the time hoping that somehow I can dump Jesus on them, and I'm just looking for the opportunity they can sniff that out in a heartbeat. And they will run away as fast as they can. So here's the real question. How can we share our faith with others in a way that seems natural and inoffensive to both them and us? And before we dig into the Bible to answer that question, I want to say this. When we talk about sharing our faith in a natural and inoffensive way, 
This does not mean that if you learn how to share the gospel like this, everyone will accept it and become a follower of Jesus. Doesn't mean that at all. Jesus, I think we would all agree, shared his faith perfectly, and yet people walked away from him, and they even crucified him. Okay? So there's no way that you and I can share our faith where everybody just goes, oh yeah, count me in. <laughs> there will be people who literally walk away. But they won't walk away because we were needlessly offensive. They will walk away because they're not ready to follow Jesus yet. And you know what? We got to love them when they walk in. And we have to love them when they walk away. Are you on board with that? Yeah. Okay. Now, it's amazing looking at the life of Jesus. And there were 12 guys that Jesus personally trained. We commonly call them the apostles. And one of those 12 was a guy by the name of Peter. And Peter, I think, in some ways is one of the easier to relate to apostles because he suffered really badly from hoof and mouth disease. <laughs> he had his foot in his mouth seemingly all the time. So if you can relate to that, okay, then listen up because Peter is going to give us some great insight. And going to what Peter wrote, Peter said, always be ready to answer everyone who asks you to explain about the hope you have. Now, in order to understand that passage, you have, to, you have to understand the context that the people were living in that Peter wrote to. These were people who were under a bitter persecution because of their faith. And, and the soldiers were breaking into their worship services, and they were literally hauling men and women to prison and they were condemning them to die, and they were leaving their children orphans. It was an ugly, ugly, ugly thing. And yet, these followers of Jesus had so invited Jesus into their hearts and lives that in the midst of this bitter persecution, there was no bitterness in their heart. There was no sense of vengeance or retaliation. There was no cursing people who were persecuting and abusing them. But instead, the Christians would pray for them. They had learned from Jesus to pray, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing which is what Jesus prayed on the cross for the people who were crucifying him. Now, in the midst of that amazing strength and faith and hope, the people who were doing the persecuting would look at this and go, this is not normal human behavior. This is exceptional. If you forget everything else I say today, I want you to hear this. The secret 
to effectively sharing your faith is for you to allow Jesus to make you an exceptional person. Do I need to say that again? The secret to you effectively sharing your faith is for you to allow Jesus to make you an exceptional person. Because here's the first insight that Peter would give us. And that is, if you want to share your faith well, the conversation begins with them asking, not you telling. Oh. Yeah. We're going to get to that. How do we make that happen? But the truth is, if we live by the Spirit of God, exceptional lives, people will ask. So if you want to share your faith well, don't look for opportunities to dump Jesus on your friend. Wait till your friend asks about something in your life that seems exceptional to them. Because this is where we left everything last week in our teaching. Influence gives birth to curiosity. Curiosity gives birth to seeking, and seeking gives birth to internal growth and, and, um, and change. So, it's obvious that all starts with influence. So the question is, how can we have an influence so powerful it naturally sparks curiosity in others? Now, the answer to that is actually very simple and very profound all at the same time. And it's something we've already talked about but we're actually going to dig into it a little deeper this morning. If you want to influence people powerfully and positively, I might add, okay, you do it with the touch of Jesus. Here's the touch of Jesus. When Jesus touched people or influenced them, it all began with this thing called love. I love the challenge that Channing gave us this morning about actually experiencing and expressing this love of God that's so deep. And please don't make it syrupy, sicky, sweet. Oh, God loves you so much. No one wants to hear that. Not even me, and I'm a pastor. Okay. They want us to live and express this amazing love so that we are actually loving the people and actively loving the people we're serving and serving with. Just ask yourself this question. What am I doing when I'm going out to serve other than doing the job what am I doing to actively express love to the person I'm serving and to the people I'm serving with? 
if you want to give exceptional service, figure out how to do it in that context. Because when people know they are deeply loved, they find it virtually irresistible. Everybody on board with that? There's going to be a lot of thinking you got to do this morning because we're going to press into some stuff that needs to be going on down here. The second thing about the, the touch of Jesus is it brought acceptance. Seemingly, everyone who came to Jesus, no matter who they were, they could be, they could be uh, Nicodemus, who was a religious leader and well-respected in the land. They could be a woman caught in adultery. They could be a prostitute. They could be a tax collector. They could be a blind beggar. They could be anybody. Every one of them somehow felt completely accepted by Jesus as a human being. And they felt totally safe in his presence because they felt seen by him and valued by him in spite of who they were. So the question is, what am I doing when I go out to serve that actively expresses acceptance, full acceptance of the people that I'm serving and the people I'm serving with? Thirdly, the touch of Jesus had this sense of partnership. Not just I'm here and you're there, but when he reached out and touched people, it carried this message, I'm with you. I'm partnering with you. I'm not necessarily better than you. I'm just with you. And I'm here to help make things better. We could do this together. It's amazing. If we want to influence people to the point that they become curious, they need to feel all three of those from us in spades. Does that make sense to everybody? That's powerful. This has always been the underlying power that has fueled the kingdom of Jesus around the world. It's what Jesus meant when he said, this is how all people will know that you're following me. It's by the love you have for others. So, <clears throat> if we're going to be exceptional people, how does that work? Can I look in the mirror and say, Ron Hunt? You, my friend, are going to be exceptional today. I've tried that plan. I usually turn out to exceptionally fail when that's my plan. <clears throat> so, Paul writes, and he gives us huge insight. And take a look at this scripture. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. And before I read it, I, I just want you to stop 
And here's my observation, and I think you might have the same observation, that the qualities we're going to read in just a minute are things that are in relative short supply in our world. And yet, when we allow the Holy Spirit to control our lives, we don't have to make this stuff up. He produces this in us. And here it is, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's my proposition. When we allow the Holy Spirit to do that in our lives, he makes us exceptional people. Because it, you can't find that anywhere else. And if we want to influence people, listen, they have to sense a very big difference between what's going on in our life and what's going on in theirs. And what's going on in their world. It's quiet in here. Have you noticed? That's some serious stuff. So, here's the Ron Hunt paraphrase of these passages put together. Are you ready? When we choose to serve with the touch of Jesus, the Holy Spirit produces in and through us an influential behavior that exudes a very natural love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Stop right there. If you try to put that stuff on display, remember the sniffer? They'll sniff it out. When it naturally flows from your heart and mind, it's as genuine as the day is long. And it, my friend, is exceptionally beautiful. And the end result is, this quality of life is so unusual in our culture, it naturally sparks people's curiosity. So I want to talk to you for just a minute about the building blocks of influence, okay? Take a look. It starts with faith. Faith is the foundation. When I come to Jesus and I put my faith in him, I say to him, look, I understand that you know way more about life than I do, okay? So instead of piloting my own ship on the ocean of life, I voluntarily, by faith, turn the control of my life over to you, and I'm asking you to take me to places I could never take myself and to build in me qualities I could never build in myself. And when I trust Jesus and make myself available to him on a daily basis, that faith begins to give birth to a quality of life we just read about. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And when that quality of life begins to grow and develop naturally in my life, whether it's, uh, we're not persecuted, so how do we demonstrate hope and strength? Well, we live in a world 
that's deeply divided. Have you noticed? What if instead of participating in the division, we become instruments of peace and acceptance of all people, not just people who were on my side of the aisle, all people. What if we learned how to love people who actually vote very differently than we do? Oh, yeah. When we begin to exhibit this kind of strength, and all of us have setbacks in life, when things don't go our way, and instead of bellyaching and complaining, what if we responded with a posture of strength and hope? If we do that, it will give rise to curiosity in others. And their curiosity will give rise to seeking. And God in Scripture clearly says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. May God make us people who give birth to curiosity in other people to the point that they begin to seek what we have. Now, Peter's not done. So let's go back to this passage in Peter that we've taken a little aside from. And Peter says, but listen, you need to answer in a gentle way and with respect. Oh, boy. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but most of the street preachers I heard could use a lesson from that. In a now, listen. You know where we have a problem with this? There's a little surprise in here. We think that if I'm going to answer, I need to choose my words carefully. Just a little show of hands. How many of us in the audience have ever said something, and after we said it, we, we said to ourselves, well, that didn't come out the way I intended. <laughs> We've all been there, right? Yeah, here's my observation. When that's true in my life, the problem was not my words. The problem was my heart. I tried to say something that I didn't actually feel in my heart. I tried to carefully package it so that it would sound holier than I actually am. Remember the sniffer? It works on that too. Yeah. You see, if you want to answer with gentleness and respect, you have to choose an internal heart posture of gentleness toward everyone and respect toward everyone. And then when you answer, your words will come out right because you'll just be speaking from your heart. So insight number two is this. The operative word is hope. Remember Peter said, be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope 
that you have. Hmm. It's not about what we know or believe. I know Christians are famous for valuing the truth, and I don't want to devalue the truth in any way. Okay? Because to whatever degree we believe something to be true that isn't true, we live in deception and, the, and it becomes destructive. I get the value of truth. Here's, the, here's something you need to know about the truth. The people around you don't really want to hear the truth. First. They want it eventually, but they want to hear it first. The truth that you believe and know and build your life around, it, it doesn't actually spark curiosity. What actually sparks curiosity is this quality of life that should be exuding from you and me. And yes, that quality of life is based on truth. And eventually the truth becomes really important to them, but not at first. At first, they're looking for something in your life, not something you believe, not something you count on to be true. They're looking for a quality in your life that they find attractive and that they find in short supply in, your own, in their own life. Notice how Peter closes this little package of insight about how to share our, our faith. Always keep your conscience clear. Remember the sniffer dude? Okay? People can sniff out a defiled conscience in you and me. They can sniff that out. Always keep a clear conscience so that those who speak evil of your good life, not what you believe, not evil of your truth, not evil of your way of believing, when they speak evil of your good life. Remember what I said earlier? The key to effectively sharing your faith is to allow Jesus to make you into an exceptional person. That's your good life. And when they go to criticize your good life, they'll be disappointed because it won't turn out to be true. Yeah. It's virtually impossible to refute and resist a good life. Especially when it's made that way by Jesus. So, as we close, here's insight number three. Let the quality of your life do most of the talking. Are you on board with that? Some of you are familiar with the quote from St. Francis of Assisi who said, always proclaim the gospel, use words only when necessary. Okay? And I just, sometimes he gets a bad rap for that because people think, oh, he was afraid to actually speak up for Jesus. No, if you read through St. Francis's life, you'd know that's not true. What he was fed up with were the followers of Jesus that went everywhere trying to beat people into submission to Jesus. And he said, oh, if you could just let the quality of your life speak, then when people ask, 
you have this wonderful opportunity to share in a gentle and respectful way truths that can actually change their lives forever. I want to close with our mission statement as a church, and here it is. It's helping people discover and experience life in Jesus. Think about the word discover for a minute. Discover actually assumes that people are looking for it, right? Because when you discover something, you're actually looking for it. The word experience means that what we're wanting for them is not just to learn some truth that they can believe in, but we want them to experience life in Jesus. And how are we going to do that? Well, it says, by loving others the way Jesus loves us all. And when we lead with love, and we live an exceptional life by the power of God's Spirit. People look at us and go, I want me some of that. That's good. That's great. So I don't leave us with a simple thing. It doesn't look that great on the screen. So you can look at the screen if you want to. But I'm going to say it to you, and you can memorize it in 30 seconds, okay? Invite, don't indict. Okay? Does that make sense? If you want people to experience life in Jesus, invite them. Don't indict them for what they're doing or not doing. Invite them. And when you and I invite, amazing things happen. We're going to move to a portion of our service where we celebrate communion. And I want us to understand that communion is remembering what Jesus did on the cross. Okay? It's celebrating what Jesus accomplished. And one of the things that Jesus accomplished through his death on the cross was he made possible this amazing invitation that he sends out worldwide to every single person who's living. And I want to read it to us from some of the very last words in the Bible. They're in the very last chapter of the last book in the Bible. They literally are the last words of Jesus in Scripture. The Spirit of God and the Church of Jesus say, come. Let whoever is thirsty, do you see a seeking there? Let whoever is thirsty come. Whoever wishes may have the water of life as a free gift. The communion kits are on tables around the, the perimeter of the auditorium. Listen, communion is optional at New Life. No one should feel obligated to take, but it is also open, and that means everyone is invited. And as we partake today, and as we eat the bread that represents the body of Christ that was brutalized and broken for us, 
And as we drink the cup, which represents his lifeblood spilled out for us in death, let's do it in the context of remembering that Jesus is saying to all of us, come and drink freely of the water of life. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you came and it's your touch that literally changed our world. Would you give us that same touch of love, acceptance, and partnership? Would you make us exceptional people so that our world becomes curious about what you're doing in us that doesn't seem to be happening anywhere else. We eat the bread and we drink the cup in your honor. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.